you are listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Trisha Camargo. Trisha is a pre-service teacher and single-subject credential student at California State University, Long Beach. She holds a BA degree in history from Cal State Long Beach and graduated cum laude. For most of her life, Trisha worked in the restaurant industry and is now a peer mentor with the Caminos Project at CSULB an organization that seeks to expand the number of Latinx teachers in California public schools. Throughout her life, she has consistently overcome adverse conditions and personally experienced the structural inequalities of American society. Trisha raised her two younger brothers and became the head of her household as a young adult. Yet despite this hardship, both her and her family have successfully prevailed. As a future teacher, her desire is to continually strive to be an equitable and culturally responsive educator whose principal goal is to empower her students to be the very best version of themselves they can be. You can find Trisha on Twitter at MSCamargo6, spelled M-S-C-A-M-A-R-G-O and the number six. Hi, Trisha. Thanks so much for joining us today. So it sounds like you've had some challenging life experiences that have led you into teaching. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what has led you to your teaching philosophy? Absolutely. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. This is such a beautiful opportunity and I appreciate your time and your efforts. Um, Yeah, I'd be happy to share some of my life challenges that have led me into teaching. So I come from a little non-traditional familial circumstances. I am a Latina and I was from Orange County. I spent most of my life in Huntington Beach. Um, I moved to Santa Ana probably in my late teens, early adults, around 20. My parents battle addiction and my father has been institutionalized in our nation's system of mass incarceration for most of his life and my life. He was institutionalized um, as a child, as a 16-year-old youth and placed in an adult prison. Wow. So um, I got legal guardianship of my two younger brothers. There's quite an age gap between us. It's like a seven and a nine-year age gap between my younger brothers and myself. Hmm. When I was around 20 years old, so we moved back to Santa Ana. We moved back actually to the community, the barrio, you would say my, my parents were from. And my brothers went to school there, which was a huge culture shock for us coming from living in Huntington Beach most of our lives to mm-hmm. living in Santa Ana with my grandmother. Um, and I think that my circumstances afforded me this foundation of grit um, yeah. and social emotional intelligence, which so many of our students have. I'm, I'm a reflection of many of our students mm-hmm. of optimism and perseverance. So I got into teaching specifically because I wanted to serve and I wanted to serve the communities that I am a member of, yeah. um, that I have lived experience in. And I wanted students to I want students to be the best version of themselves they can be. And I want to empower them to know just how great they are. And that's why I really kind of started to lean into this profession. So then, so then tell us where you, where you are now. Um, You know, are you, are you teaching? Are you part of a program? So currently I am 
at the end of my credential program at California State University, Long Beach. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Mm. Um, I'm a first-gen student, so I'm the first person from my family to graduate from college. My Neither of my parents graduated from high school or college. My wow. father received his GED in prison. Um, so that was wonderful. I'm a CSU, CSULB alumni. I graduated last spring with my bachelor's in history, and I graduated with honors. Nice. That's um, amazing. Thank you. So at CSULB, our program is kind of split. It's a year and a half, basically. It's a year of being in the classroom, a common, um, accompanying with observations. Mm-hmm. It's a course application to get in. So you take a course and you have so many hours of observations in order to be accepted into the program, which I took in my undergrad. And then you have your semester of student teaching. So the plan is to student teach in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So as yeah, if schools are open, teaching. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we'll have a unique set of, of skills. So mm-hmm. we're encouraged to continue our plan um, regardless of what happens. Yep. Because as of now, they're still taking student teachers. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting world we live in. Even if they are online, they probably could still use extra help. And I mean, it's a great learning experience too, because it's the way it is right now. Absolutely. So are you, are you going to, are you getting your single, single subject? Yes. So I'm in the single subject social science credential program at Cal State. Another social studies teacher. (laughs) I know, I know. It's a very competitive field. Um, We actually... We might have the largest program there for single subject social science. It's quite large. Wow. Um, our credential program is quite large. Yeah. So, yeah. There are jobs sure. in it. I just got an email from a student last night <laughs> said that she got a teaching position teaching middle school social studies. So. Yay. Yep, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Doesn't that brighten your heart yeah. when that when oh, news yeah. comes in? That's mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. Uh, where, so where after that would, would you wish to work or... At this point, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, right? I am open to the universe, and okay. I am so happy to, and will be so privileged and honored to get a position anywhere. Um, I think that that would be a wonderful opportunity for anyone in my position as a, you know, a new educator in the workforce. However, eventually. Um, I do want to serve in communities that I was a member of. I think that that's ultimately where my heart lies. And I really feel that when you are a student and you see yourself in the classroom, not just on a poster, Mm -hmm. not just in a source, in a film, on a textbook, but a living, breathing embodiment of your teacher who looks like you, who has lived your lived experiences, who's walked in your shoes, the most beautiful aspects of learning can occur. And I really feel that's such a special thing. Um, I do believe that that isn't happening enough, especially in our state. And so I would really love to serve communities that I am a member of. And I also feel that those students have so much to offer and I would learn so much from them. So that is eventually where I want to serve, but I'm open mm-hmm. to the universe in the beginning. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, now, how are you preparing 
yourself. Now you now you talked about the um, about your life, which which definitely is definitely is a large learning part of what your world is. What are some other things that that you've been doing in, in order to prep to be a teacher? Well, besides observing with some really awesome educators, um, one who recommended me to this podcast, Jorge, Dr. Jorge Velasquez, and leaning on my mentors at Cal State Long Beach, I actually am a part of a really, really special learning community at Cal State Long Beach, and it is called the Caminos Project. And the university was basically given a federal grant in order to address some of the great disparities like in the education frontier. I would say that the majority of our students in California are Latinx, Latino and Latina. And unfortunately, that is not reflected in um, the educational workforce. So this program was created as a, as a space and as a community um, for Latinx students to feel supported because as we know, 2021, 20, I believe out of 23 Cal States are HSI serving institutions. Um, also to provide, it's a, it's a community that's provide professional development and teacher networking opportunities. They fund for a lot of the students involved to go to various conferences. We put on workshops for students and seminars um, and I feel that that has really helped me because I actually have mentees and I work one-on-one with CSULB students, both in their undergrad um, and in their post or grad programs to help them navigate this. A lot of our students, one, they, they don't have anybody in their family that's been through a credential program, or two, they have no one in their family that's been to college and really knows the journey of university and, you know, how do I apply for financial aid? What is the best to look like? How do I fill out this paperwork? How do I email a principal to reach out to a district to do observations? Mm -hmm. How do I network? What does this look like? Um, So I feel that that has really given me the skills and enabled me to, to be a really wonderful educator and it's given me invaluable tools resources and allowed me to really grow and foster my network community or village if you will oh cool and and what are what are some of the outcomes that you found through your through your mentees Outcomes? You mean in relation to themselves as individuals, yeah. or my relationship? Well, both, both. You know, for 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 them as individuals, but then also for you as the as the men, as the mentor. Um, I think for them, it's always nice just to have a system of support. I think that's needed um, in any aspect of life, especially in higher education. While you're while you're going through your journey with that, it's it's very exhausting and you know, can be intimidating or self-isolating. So I think for them, just having someone who's maybe I've gone through their undergrad program, I know what their classes are like. I know what the workload is like. How would you schedule, how would you schedule your classes? How would you pick your schedule? This workshop is here or what do you need? How can we help you? Let me, let me know what you need and I will do my best to speak with people in the College of Ed, speak with our directors, speak with our coordinators, speak with our credential services program, and find resources for you to help you accommodate your needs. 
So I think just having that support, even if it's a simple simplicity and I just need someone to vent to, I need resources. How can you help me? Mm-hmm. Or you've, you've been through my program, you know, I need help navigating this journey. I think that that's a really beautiful place. I think it's special when students can help other students and you can kind of have that because I think that's where the community base really starts. It's part of it is students serving students. And I think for me, I love my mentees. I love people. I believe in the power of human connection. And I think that it really has given me the opportunity to grow um, as an individual and as a future educator and be an advocate for students and really brought uh, some of the realities of our society and of our world kind of full frontal to my face. And I, I believe for me, it's also just enabled me to grow and to build my network and really just gotten me prepared for, you know, the possible future of being an educator. Wow. That's really great that you can be teaching at so many different levels, you know, it's a good experience. Can you tell us a little bit about your credential program and maybe what some of your most impactful courses were or are and your learning experiences? Absolutely. Well, I may be biased, of course, as we all are as mm-hmm. human beings. Um, but <laughs> Acknowledging your bias Austin, is the first right? step. <laughs> I acknowledge, right? Yep. <laughs> Long Beach is a, is a very, very, very special and unique place. Um, it is a nurturing community. I, I really feel that for myself, um, as a person of color, as a female, it's really allowed me to, to thrive and to bring my own culture into my classroom and to see myself in my classroom and build on my funds of knowledge and make those connections. I really feel that even though our credential program, I I know it's quite large, it feels really small. It feels very tight knit. I know that I can approach my professors and even the director of the entire program if I needed help or I wanted to ask a question. Um, I think that also we have to acknowledge the fact by fighting for a grant, by having a program like Caminos at the college, you are acknowledging that these spaces need to exist Mm -hmm. for students. And I think that that's so special because that in and of itself speaks to the people in the College of Ed, the people that fought for that program, our director, and all of our educators because they're very CRP, culture-responsive educators. I think they strive to be equitable educators Mm -hmm. and... They want to do that, even if, you know, they've been teaching for a long time and they may struggle with this or these concepts are new for them. They're very student-centered and they're here to serve their students. And I really feel like that's why Cal State Long Beach is such a special, special place. Um, again, I may be biased. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as far as my classes, oh man, it's just been, it's been a treat. All my professors are wonderful. I could actually say that I've seen myself in some of my professors. We have uh, a nicely diverse faculty. Um, I would say some that stick out the most to me are probably my classroom management course. Wow. My Probably because of my professor, because she's wonderful. My culture responsive 
pedagogy course and my methods course, which I'm in now. It's the last course you take predominantly before you go into your student teaching. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so wonderful because all of our professors, for the most part, at some point in their career have been in my classroom or are currently in a classroom. Um, And some of them have gone into higher ed. And so, like I said, some are still in the classroom. My two methods professors are still in classrooms. I have two professors for one course, so it's pretty awesome. One's in middle school, one's in high school. And one has gone through our program. So I really feel that's a unique experience because Mm -hmm. we're able to be reflective on what is this going to look like and kind of navigating that with them. And they, they know one, because they've either been through our program um, or two, because they're going to be relentless in getting us the resources that we need to be successful. Yeah. You you know, it's, I I like that you were sharing about how the, how Long Beach state and I went to San Diego state, so I don't really, you know, (laughs) I respect, I respect that. <laughs> I support you <laughs> and your bias. Thank you. No, um, no, I, I, I really like how, how you were talking about the, about the program there because, um, gosh, several years ago, I actually did a study on why ethnic, ethnic minorities are not getting into teaching, mm-hmm. um, and both, both at the, uh, both at the college level, but also at the, um, but also high school students, why, why, why they're not interested in going into teaching. And so, so it's, so it's really good to hear that Long Beach state has, has programs or has opportunities where, where there is this invitation to come in and say, yeah, teach, you know, it's, it's the best job out there. And that's, that's, again, that's what my bias is. You know, I, I truly feel that teaching is the best job out there because you get to affect lives daily. Um, and so what, what type of teacher do you hope to be? Well, um, that's a really loaded game. <laughs> I really, I really hope to embody and I strive to be an equitable and culture responsive educator, a reflective educator. And I, I feel that currently in our current situation, that's, um, the most vital, one of the most vital, important things that you, you can be, um, and to be mindful of the community that I'm serving. I feel that I really want to build connections with my students because I believe in the power of human connection, and I really feel like when you build connections with students and they know that it's a safe space and you create an environment where they can be themselves, they're going to thrive in that environment. Um, I feel like when we don't allow our students to bring their culture into the classroom. We're denying them the opportunity to express their culture in their classrooms and we're hurting their spirit. We're Mm -hmm. asking them, we're taking something away from them. And I think that we really truly need to be mindful of that. And I know sometimes we can deviate from that, you know, and things happen. I'm not an educator right now. I know that this is a very challenging time, but I just think always being mindful of who you're serving because we are serving our students. Yeah. They're people. I think that's the thing that sometimes we can get the blinders on and think I have to get through this lesson. I have to get through these standards, but you're teaching people. And that's, that's the thing that you have to always remember. I like that. Can you Um, tell us a little bit about maybe one of the favorite lessons that you've designed maybe as part of your coursework or. um, Yes. (laughs) So we design a unit of study um, in our methods course, and we're 
my team and I are, are working on the civil rights unit in 11th grade uh, U.S. history. So that is a favorite of mine because we're kind of challenging the master narrative, if you will. We're trying to transcend the nation and mm-hmm. be reflective in that how is the civil rights movement a, a global movement? And we're also shifting the temporal framework by challenging the periodization of a short or traditional civil rights movement. And we're really shifting it and we're, we're starting it with um, Plessy versus Ferguson. And we're actually ending it with modern civil rights issues. Uh, I believe the 2018 federal lynching act. And we're talking about issues such as mass incarceration and black lives matter, Mm. uh, police brutality. So that's really my favorite unit. Yeah. Because it's allowed, I think it's, it's really allowed us to kind of use some of our skills um, as living through some of these modern issues of civil rights and also to step back and to, and, and to say, you know, how are we able to, one, shift, shift the periodization, shift the temporal framework, two, allow our students to, to make connections on a global scale, but also to have our students know that this isn't something that, you know, ended and is over. This is something that is living, that is breathing, that is a process that still happens today. And I'm a very passionate person. <laughs> and it's my, my teachers have just, my professors have really just allowed us to run away with it and been there to support us, navigate us through it, mm-hmm. and allowed us to bring in some of our own perspectives and ideas. And that's been really refreshing and really um, inspiring. That's awesome because... Uh... As a social studies, I, I still, I've been in academe for 20 plus years. I still look at myself as a social studies teacher. Um, how are you going to bridge that gap from, for high school students who, or high school or, you know, junior high kids who, who feel that history is boring. I don't want to learn it. It's, 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 this is a waste of time. Um, so, so how are you going to, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make social studies meaningful? Well, I think that our program at Cal State Long Beach is unique, um, in the undergrad program. And I would also say in the, in the post-bac credential program for history or social sciences, because we focus on the skill-based, um, learning. So, really embedding historical thinking skills, historical reading skills, you know, contextualization, historical significance, cause of consequence, historiography, giving our students the, those resources in a skill-based learning environment. Because really, if, when they have those skills, this supports all subjects. They, they learn how to read like a historian, how to source things, and hopefully you are... Um, creating lifelong, you know, news watchers or newspaper readers. We as social science educators are the gatekeepers of citizenship. Mm -hmm. So I really feel that it falls upon us. It's embedded into our very framework. It falls upon us to help the students be better citizens and be global citizens and examine the world through that lens. And I feel that we have to create a space where students are able to be engaged by making connections to the content. Because the reality is 
some of these issues are there's they're still here or you can relate it to something current that just it didn't go away you know mm-hmm. historically you know or talking about a topic that they maybe want to talk about and and relating it to something earlier you know our 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 country's international creation student you know issues of racism and bigotry and civil rights issues are still happening until to you know, in this day, in this lifetime that they're living, there are reasons why we look at certain historical agents, you know, that were dangerous or where issues happened and say, you know, mm-hmm. do you do you see anything like this happening? Do you see language like this being used today? I think that just making it, making them engaged and making it relative for them. And, and I really feel as a student, when you maybe can connect yourself, and I, I really feel that's by kind of leaning on their funds of knowledge and incorporating that into your classroom, then history becomes something different for you. I think even with the example that you shared with us, your civil rights unit, you really have taken it beyond, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln's (laughs) quest to abolish slavery to connecting it to today, like how these are still issues today. We're still fighting civil rights and that's not just a 100- or 200-year-old problem. It's an everyday problem. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that, that we're interested in and what you're probably looking at, and you alluded to it a little bit just about talking about your, about your program, um, how, how has COVID changed how you're teaching or working on towards thinking about the future and the future of teaching. Um, has that come up in, in, your, in your credential program? And what, what are some of the things that you're, you're thinking about of, of how to accommodate kids, you know, given if, if you were teaching now and you're not in the classroom, but you're teaching with tech and all this stuff, um, how do you think this is, what are, What's the thought process that you're that you're going through? Hmm. Well, I think that's a really wonderful question. I I believe that we as students currently, because I currently am a student, we have a, a very special skill set to transition into teaching during these trying times, because we ourselves were students at these times. So I I really do believe that it is important to be reflective in as an educator what what is what is working what worked for me what what didn't work what did I enjoy or what did I learn Um, and also be mindful of the communities that you're serving I, I I think that during these times you know I was I understand why things need to happen but I would be lying if I said that I wasn't devastated and they said they were going to close schools because people need to understand that when you say something like that, you're saying it from a position of privilege. And yeah. I, I think that it's heart-wrenching for us to examine our schools, our secondary schools, and to know that for many of our students, that's where they're, they're getting their meals from. Yeah, That's a safe space for them. Um, not all of our students have devices. Even at the college level, Cal State Long Beach, you know, purchased a large number of Chromebooks and said, if you don't have a device because you're, you use a library and this is a sanctuary for you, we will provide them for you. And I think that we really started to see that um, 
as educators, I checked in with my mentor teachers, you know, how's the class going? How are the students? What's going on? I just wanted to, to be there with them. And students, you know, they're struggling. They, they may not, they don't have a quiet, some don't have a quiet space to do their work, mm-hmm. um, to Zoom, to do Google Classroom. Yeah. So I, I really feel that just being mindful of that and being prepared for that. I know that the teachers, the educators, I was, were, you know, being mentored by, they were prepared. They, they had packets, they had a Google Classroom set up. And it was just, you know, I, I, this was before the school was closed. And I asked them, you know, oh, you're so on it. And besides their own opinions and my own opinions, I really, that was a lesson for me as an educator during these times, because I, I saw that it was, this is what you do. This is how you serve your students. Yes, we don't know, but we need to have this planned out now. We need to be ready for this to happen today to give our students these. So we try not to miss a beat. We're obviously going to miss some beats and mm-hmm. it's going to be challenging, but we want to, we want to give our students the ability to maintain and to finish the year, the units that we're in, the units to come as seamlessly as we can. So I really feel that I learned one to be open because you just never know what's mm-hmm. going to happen, what your district's going to mandate, what your students are going to mandate. Um, and I really feel like looking through it through this lens of how can I accommodate my students? You know, what is it that they need? I really felt like all my mentors, teachers this time, it was a significant rise in the check-in, you know, a significant rise in how are we doing celebrations, first 10 minutes, what's going on, let's connect. Um, And I also feel like that was a comfort for many students because they do find comfort in their teachers. Yeah. Some, for some students, teachers are, you know, a huge aspect of their life. They're a very safe and stable, consistent adult in, in their life. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like for me during these times, I just learned to be open, to be reflective, um, to be aware of my students and what they may need. And that may be, you know, accommodating them, <clears throat> creating something that's more engaging for them. I feel like you might lose students who, who are already not interested perhaps in content from that distant distance learning and just being mindful, mindful of that. I know it's challenging. I think the fall is going to be interesting. I think it's just going to change our whole, a lot of the culture, but I really feel that we as students now have a really special skill set. And we also, I, I feel we're a little bit more equipped to deal with teaching with tech than, you know, maybe some of the baby boomers that are in education and maybe don't, aren't as open to it. Yeah. Or just, you know, haven't grown, grown up in the digital age and surrounded by the tech like we are now that makes a huge difference as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, as we start to wrap this up, we always ask our guests one last question and it's, uh, what is your call to action? If you had to leave our listeners with one thing. I would say never underestimate the power of human connection. And as educators, we need to see our students through the lens of assets and not only through this mindset of deficits. Yeah. 
all students add to the classroom space and all students have assets. And we are committed and to serve all students. Mm-hmm. Um, as educators, we can't pretend that we live in a world where you know racism, bigotry, marginalization, de facto segregation in schools does not exist. And I think that we need to transition out of this mindset that an education can save us. It's up to us to save education. Mm-hmm. And I see that we see this reflective so much more in our communities now. And if that's making ourselves uncomfortable to learn a new tool or a new tech resource, then let it be that way because our students are counting on us yeah. to, to serve them and to be the best educator we can for them and in many ways to be a champion for them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Trisha. We really appreciate you, and we can tell that you're super passionate about teaching, and I'm really excited for you to get out there and start working with kids and making a difference. Yeah. Thank you both so much. Yeah. This was a joy. I appreciate you.